It's the Velo News Podcast. I'm Fred Dreyer, Editor-in-Chief of Velo News. Today's episode is a great one. We have a report from Pyro Bay from Dane Cash and Andy Hood, who were there on the infield of the Roubaix Velodrome to take us inside the race. They have some great interviews with Philippe Gilbert and Zdenek Stibar and some insight from how Peter Sagan was able to win. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to talk about the other story that came out of Pyro Roubaix this year, and that was the tragic death of Michael Goulerts. Um, Michael Goulerts was a 23-year-old cyclist racing for the Verandas Williams Creeland team, and he died of a cardiac arrest after crashing um, early in the race. He was taken to a nearby hospital in Lille, and he died at about 10.40 p.m. Um, the news came down after Hoodie and Dane filed their report, but I still wanted to talk about it because anytime there's a death in pro cycling, it's not just something that impacts one person or one team. Um, the entire sport feels it. And we here at Velo News want to give our condolences to Goulart's family and his friends, his teammates, and anyone who knew him. And, um, you know, news will continue to come out about the situation and we'll keep you updated. But we just wanted to take a moment to give our deepest sympathies to um, everyone who knew Michael Goulerts. Okay, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Vel News Podcast. I'm Dane Cash here with Andy Hood. You just heard Peter Sagan crossing the finish line in the Roubaix Velodrome. We're now inside the brand new, much nicer Roubaix Velodrome right next to the old one where the race finishes. Andy, what are your first impressions coming out of this Paris-Roubaix? What a race, really. I mean, it was uh, after I thought kind of almost a flat classic seasons this year, Dane. I mean, no race. There were some great attacks, some great racing, really high-level racing, but nothing really to kind of bowl, bowl you over as a fan or as a spectator. And I thought this Roubaix delivered in that score. You know, Roubaix is always like that. It's always unpredictable. There's always going to be that crash, those punctures, those big daring moves that work that sometimes don't work. So I thought it had all the ingredients of a classic Robay and to see Peter Sagan get that win after kind of really banging his head against the wall, not only at this race, but just going into this whole classic season. Uh, for me, I thought it was a four out of five star Robay. Yeah, I think I agree with that rating, actually. And I'm glad that you went with a star rating out of five for Perry Roubaix because that is, of course, the way the ASO rates the cobbles. I think coming out of the uh, walking out of the Roubaix velodrome, you could kind of think of, well, Maybe somebody could have done this differently. The chasing group could have done that. Uh, they could have worked together a little more. But for me, the the real big takeaway was Peter Sagan is pretty strong. And, and it's it's kind of interesting that, that that's what you're coming away from this with, the last race, the Cobble Classics, because for, at several points along the way here, we've had conversations about Peter Sagan maybe not quite looking as strong as in years past. And uh, not only did he win Roubaix, but he won it in a way that, I was not expecting at all. I mean, if he was going to win Roubaix, I, I thought it would be in a sprint. But he pretty much attacked the other favorites from 50K out. 
uh, stayed with a very impressive Sylvain Dillier. And then, he, yeah, okay, he outsprinted Sylvain Dillier, but that required a huge engine. That's a, that's a Nicky Terpstra type, type kind of thing to go from 50K out. Not necessarily a Peter Sagan type thing. Yeah, that was what that was very impressive because we see, of course, Sagan get his biggest wins out of these kind of uh, reduced bunch sprints inside one get Vogelbaum. Uh, I think today things went right for Sagan. That's what he's missed in this race. There's been no question really that Sagan doesn't have the engine to go the distance. Of course he does, but to see him kind of blow away everyone really in that decisive moment of the race, you know, coming through the Ehrenberg, the bunch really split up and then Sagan made his move, you know, going up the road there past those uh, other you know once the really the series of the the attrition just took its toll on, on the bunch and to see Sagan go f- from far away I mean we, all, we were talking to the favorites there at the finish line everyone said chapeau to Sagan for having kind of the cojones really to attack from that far out and I thought it was really that is the tactic I think you needed to kind of break this uh, quick step stranglehold because if you just kept following the wheels there was always going to be a quick step guy there and I think they must have had a meeting this morning saying Sagan it's not going to be, you're not going to hurt yourself by going long because if people come with you, it'll still be fewer people than if you sit and follow the wheels all day. Yeah, before, before we get too much into the tactics and, uh, you know, coming up with who we were impressed with, who we were disappointed with, we should probably point out that uh, Michael Golartz, a Belgian rider, went down very hard uh, and, uh, according to reports, had to be resuscitated and was taken to a hospital and uh, status currently unknown. So, we really don't know much about that right as of the recording here, uh, but it's obviously pretty important and it's it's kind of on everyone's minds. Yeah. To see a crash like that involving such a young rider, uh, you know, there are a lot of scary reports coming out. You know, we hope that uh, he's going to be okay. He was taken to the hospital. Uh, sounded like things were pretty bad. Yeah, it, it certainly did not sound good and it did not look good either. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for more reports on that. Uh, like we said, as of recording the podcast, we, we're not sure what happened, but things could come out. News could come out pretty soon. We're just not sure right now. As far as riders who came out today and uh, and, and, and put on a show or, or impressed you maybe more than you were expecting, obviously, I mean, Peter Sagan's probably first on that list. Is there anybody else kind of looking down the the results sheet, Andy, that that you saw and and you said, "Hey, whoa, that's a that's a pretty impressive ride there." Yeah, I was I was uh, really impressed again just to see uh, Voot uh, Van Aert out there again. I'm not quite sure actually where he ended up on the GC. Yeah, that uh, uh, I think he had that mechanical pretty late in the race that took him. Out, I, he ended up not finishing particularly highly, but he was up there, you know, until yeah, he had that pretty much. We were stopping in a series of uh, we were stopping in a series of uh, cobbles along the way, and man, he was at the front of really almost after the Ehrenberg. We stopped at two or three more of the sectors before the car four, and he was getting through that every day. And I apologize. I just don't know quite where he finished right now off the top of the uh, top of the race here. But uh, he impressed me. And of course, uh, my heart has been with Gilbert this whole uh, classic season. He got through. He came through 15th. Uh, I kind of tracked him down at the showers after the race. Joubert, always kind of a spiritual guy with a lot of respect for the history, was in there uh, washing off. He's one of the few riders that actually was in there. And Joubert, he banged his way through. He, he was kind of off the front there. He's like second through the Ironberg. He was kind of off the front. But uh, he, he kind of ran out of gas. He said he kind of missed a few bottles and said he was kind of lost in the course. I chatted to him briefly. Let's throw that Dane right now. Because it's history. I think it's part of the race. And uh, I think it's like uh, tradition so it's important to be here yeah for me anyway did you do it the first time you raced uh, Robert? You yeah because shows, uh, at this time we had no choice from uh, Madio because he said it's like uh, part of the race and, uh, and this means that uh, you really did the whole thing you know when you finish in the showers and uh, yeah I think it's like 
you know when you look back in, in on the internet you can find like some old movies from the race and you see like all the interviews being doing here you know so it's like uh, it's quite of nice to come back here uh, you only saw a few guys going in there it's obviously most guys just go right to the bus eh? yeah but uh, yeah I hope that uh, this will be relayed in the in the media and that uh this would be a good idea for the for the future you know that uh, more more people more riders come back here what a race today huh i mean yeah tough yeah really hard fast and difficult yeah and for you you had a nice move there and then what happened after that it was, uh... yeah after i missed some bottles you know and i didn't drink for a long time and then i was uh I was uh, on my limit for like uh, 40k and I was uh, recovering little by little but uh, it was too late you know and um, we, we had like uh, I don't know I'm, I, I, I honestly I don't know how many guys in front then I was yeah, uh, third yeah but I mean how many guys in oh, total yeah. I don't know for the how much how many places I was sprinting for mm, yeah just back on Robert does that give you a taste uh, for next year yeah that's a, it's like a, what I said before the race uh, it was hard to know what to expect on this race because uh, I didn't have the experience but uh, yeah I was suffering a lot like like everyone I guess but uh, yeah at some points I was a little bit lost also I didn't have the the knowledge of the race and it was not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Sagan wins, big big for him. Obviously. Yeah, 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 good for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Quick step can't win everything. <laughs> yeah, we won a lot, but not everything. All right. So that was Philippe Gilbert, who, uh, yeah, like you said, he was off the front early, but still managed to finish up there uh, with with that strong top twenty performance after getting on the attack early on. Uh, top ten performance today from Taylor Finney. I think that was a big big surprise for a lot of the American fans out there. Finney, a rider who was the winner of the uh, under-23 Paris-Roubaix twice as a youngster was a, was just this huge, promising talent that everybody was expecting to be the the, the classic star that, that might, you know, he might be able to usher in the interest in the classics in the U.S., which does not really have that same interest as in the Grand Tours. But a big crash in 2014 at U.S. Road Nets uh, really derailed Finney's career. And, and he's had some strong results since then. He's, he's certainly had moments where he's come back and, and uh, picked up the big results and said, okay, obviously Finney uh, is getting back into shape. But this top 10 at Roubaix it just felt a little bit different because he was up there with the big names all day long. Um, and, and, and obviously, uh, I think he wanted more out of the day. They, they really wanted Sepp Van Marke to finally take that elusive win here. But, but yeah, Finney uh, definitely, he understood how, how big a, a deal it is for him to finally end up on the the top 10 of Paris-Roubaix after so many years of searching. So that was a big surprise today, and, and, and a, a, I think for American fans, a pleasant surprise. Uh, he was a rider that, uh, yeah, he he's uh, he was just strong out there on the cobbles. Today. He actually said after the finish that he felt better on the cobbles than on the asphalt, which is kind of surprising. Um, uh, but he was in pretty good spirits. You know, he was pretty bummed that they didn't uh, didn't put Sepp Van Marke atop the podium. Um, you know, he said that he felt that Sepp rode a great race and as, as as good as he could have ridden, you know, given the way everything shook out there. Uh, but yeah, he was in good spirits making jokes and uh, saying, you know, I feel like I, I have a comeback every year because, of course, that's the storyline anytime Finney gets a big result. So that was nice to see him in good spirits there. Anybody else that uh, caught your eye there? 
on the day? Yeah, I mean, you look at this, the top the top 10 of, of Rope. I mean, these guys are just warriors. They're, these guys are just going so deep to finish this race. A lot of them race on pride. A guy that kind of caught my attention, 20th, Heinrich Hausler, kind of a similar story to Finney. I mean, the guy's been banged around. I mean, this guy's been around for a long time. You know, you had that magical season back in, I think, 2009. He was second in San Remo that year, second in Flanders. And he's a guy, you know, yesterday we talked to him uh, at the team presentation. You know he'll he'll be excited about finishing in that uh, kind of that second third chase group coming into to the velodrome because he's a guy whose career was almost over just based on injuries and some bad luck he's had. But every guy coming into into the velodrome, they're all warriors. They all had their stories out there on the road. And then of course every year we have the infamous list of the uh, or delay. This year I think it's eleven or twelve riders cut from uh, twelve riders cut based on a time cut for the for yeah, everybody yeah. to me i always think that is just it's, an it's insult. pretty sad yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. just cruel I mean, yeah. this, this race is inhumane and cruel as it is least. so how can you take out 12 riders who you know had rode in on 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 their pride and just you know paying homage almost to what is perry Roubaix and then to time cut them yeah, means, yeah. they're not racing tomorrow that's right Most of these guys aren't racing that's for right. months they just have their own special category so spare a thought for for timo rosen and and the other uh about 10 riders or so finished beyond the time cut section all right so that's riders who uh who were tipping our cap to but what do you think of uh people who maybe disappointed you on the day was there anybody that jumped out at you as as maybe not living up to expectations here yeah i mean it's uh it's it's a perio bay you know anything can happen you know you walk you're looking at the guys who walked away from this uh spring classic season really with nothing uh you gotta look at a guy like greg van avermaet a guy who's been you know pretty rock solid all the way across the classics did not get a win. Also, guys, like, uh, they have to be at least frustrated, I think, but also probably encouraged. You know, Jesper Steuben, again, fifth today. I mean, he's shown he's got class. I mean, that guy, I think, is going to win Robay sooner than later. Uh, you know, Quick Step couldn't quite deliver the win today, but, man, they still got Terpstra on the podium. Yeah, Terpstra has to be pleased, I think, with his own Classics campaign just because of how strong he looked all season. I will say that Quick Step's tactics today, I don't know, I, I they were a little bit questionable. I feel like they, they felt the need to attack, which makes sense because you do have Peter Sagan. you got Greg Van Avermaet who had these nice finishing kicks. I mean, even Jasper Stuyven's got a great finishing kick. So there's guys that they know they have to get away from. But to feel pressured into attacking something like 100K out, which is when Philippe Schilbert went off the front, and then Shenek Stibar followed that up with a move of his own, that seemed a little bit just weird. I mean, just why? Uh, and it really did not work out the way they intended, obviously. So I actually had a chance to catch up with Stibar uh, at, the, at the finish there after he took a shower. On the bus, by the way, because, uh, yeah, there's showers at the finish that, that uh, you know, a purist like Gilbert might go to. But the showers on the team bus, I think they're way more modern than the showers here at the Rube Velodrome. It was really strange. I think uh, some guys were looking at us. Uh, but, yeah, we were still even with four. But... Uh, yeah, he went and it was a bit strange moment. Uh, yeah, I, I saw him going, and but I was a bit blocked on that moment. And uh, yeah, then then of course yeah, then then you look a bit around and you think like, hey guys, Peter Sagan is going. So why why nobody reacts? Just don't give him even five seconds. And then yeah, then he he was 30 seconds, and then you know directly that it will be really hard to to catch him back. Yeah. 
Did you, did you think he went uh, too far at first when he first went? Did you think, oh, this is too far? There's no way this makes it. Uh, you know, on this race, you you just have to be ready. Like uh, every moment, it's like Tour of Flanders. You just never really know when when the right moment is there. Sometimes you just have to dare to go. Of course, there was still uh, the group behind, and uh, he he bridged to them really fast. And then uh, they cooperate, and yeah, that was uh, his big advantage. Because if he will be alone, I think uh, it will be also really hard. Was attacking uh, early when he went uh, 90k from the finish, and Gilbert went very early. Was that the plan all along, or was that just something that happened in the race? That you, you know, that, that bit happened during the race. It's um, it was also not my uh, not my intention to go on that moment. But uh, yeah, we we bridged to um, to Phil. And I was still uh, still telling Kuma we go, but uh, yeah. Then suddenly I was alone, and I thought like, hmm, okay, yeah. I just keep on keep on uh, my pace, keep on going on my pace, and then I just wait. Uh, if if few guys are coming, we we can bridge on. See you, see you tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Over the weekend. Uh, we we can maybe bridge to the first group and yeah, could could work and but they didn't. So that was Denek Stebar. Yeah, I mean, that that's how he approached it. That's how he saw it. But uh, I, I do think you have to ask. I mean, were the quick step guys maybe going that early to avoid, well, basically to, to be the first quick step rider off the road? I mean, were they trying to be that the quick step rider that won the race? Yeah, I mean, you think you have to ask that question because we've seen in those other races that quick step did win. It was the first guy up the road who actually won the race. So you have to wonder almost in the back of their minds, guys like Joubert, and Stebar really have come away with nothing in this classic season. Uh, you know, yeah, Jubair had a couple of podiums, so he can't be too unhappy with it. But guy like Stebar, you know, this is his race. He's supposed to be hyped to win this thing. You can't imagine that he didn't have that in the back of his mind, thinking, well, you know, I need to be the guy up the road today because I know that Terpstra is going to go. And Terpstra did go. I mean, I have to tip my hat to Terps the way he raced, uh, you know, really untouchable. And, man, who knows, if that chase group had collaborated a little bit more, they might have caught Sagan, and then Terps might have attacked the way he did for yeah. the podium. He could have he could have won the race attacked today. for the race win, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I think before the race, we talked a little bit about how strong this team was. And I know when we did the race preview, we we were basically saying that the one thing that could be quick step is quick step. And they've done such a good job of it the last two years really because there was a two-year stretch there 2015 2016 where they just constantly beat themselves i mean they would have all this firepower in the finales and then they would come away with nothing um i think you have to say quick step had a really brilliant classic season one you know a pair roubaix disappointment doesn't take away from that but this was to me maybe a little bit of that a little bit of quick step beating themselves yeah, I think a little bit of that, a little bit of that, because even in Joubert says, well, we can't win everything. But man, haven't they almost been winning everything? They, 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 they have, <laughs> yeah. They're going into the Ardennes with a very strong team. they got uh, Alaphilippe, and they've got uh, Bob Youngles, as well as Joubert. Yeah. actually confirmed he's going to race Amstel Gold, as well as Liège, which is kind of a surprise. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're the team of the spring. We'll just see how long they can their gas uh, can run into yeah, you, going into the uh, Grand Tour season. It was funny. I mean, being over here in Belgium, just sort of keeping an eye on the Pies Vasco race, uh, seeing them take so many you know stages over there. They they uh, they were a factor in the overall even. And uh, with yeah, with the Ardennes coming up with Julian uh, Julian Alaphilippe. I mean, that's that's a, another opportunity for Quickstep to keep winning. But as much as I think Quickstep probably disappointed with today. They did tip their cap. I mean, Terpstra at the very end said, you know what, Like, I think we co- cooperated well enough. You just have to tip your cap to Sagan, and you really do. This is just, 
He was just too strong today. This was a race that he'd never actually done anything in, which is why a lot of people were surprised that he was such a favorite. And he proved that Roubaix actually, well, this is not only a race that he can contend in, oh, he can actually go out and win this race. That's a big deal. Yeah, I, I, the, the the celebration of uh, Sagan at the line beating uh, 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 Dillier, you know, it, it was, you know, because sometimes you see uh, Sagan hamming up a little bit, you know, he'll do his, he's done his, uh, his uh, hula dance, you know, he's, yeah. he's done his uh, Forrest Gump, of course, no time to do that today, it was a full-on sprint to the yeah. line, but man, that was an emphatic victory roar yeah, from deep yeah. inside of his guts, Yeah, and you could tell, man, he wanted this, he wanted to win this bad, because, you know, Sagan is one of those guys that has the pressure to win at every race he starts. And he is almost a team to himself, even though his team is stronger than it used to be. And he has some quality guys there, of course. But the pressure's on Sagan perhaps much more than any rider in the peloton these days. Um, and I think for him, this means as much as any of his world titles, even though he said he still would not have changed one of his rainbow jersey for a Robe or Flanders. But of course, now he has all three. Yeah, which is pretty impressive. And it's been something like it's 20, 30 years since a world champion, a reigning world champion won Roubaix. So that's, a, you know, yeah, it's a pretty big deal Yeah, for him to join that company. Yeah, I mean, Sagan is not one of these guys who, you know, perhaps in contrast to a guy like Gilbert, who kind of knows and lives that history. I mean, Sagan's coming in from a, a non-traditional culture of cycling where, but, you know, at a certain point, I think he, he does want to get his name and check his name off all those boxes. You know, he wants to get that San Remo win. He wants to win the biggest races of the year. That's what motivates him. That's what he is striving for. So I think just for him to get this one is going to take whatever pressure that is on his mind will now be at least alleviated in a big way, especially going into the tour. Now, I think he goes to the Tour of California, goes to the Tour de France. But, man, I think he races best in these one days. Yeah, I think the uh, the fact that he comes away from the Cabo Classic with this with this really big victory is a... For Sagan, whenever he doesn't come away with the victory, whenever he's close or is a favorite but doesn't win, the questions are immediate. Hey, why didn't you win? You know, are you in form, really? So for him to, to say, you know what, look, I'm going to win Paris-Roubaix and then go out and do it, I think that's a, that's a big confidence booster ahead of the Tour. Uh, and that's pretty That's pretty much, uh, I don't want to say it saved his season because he did win Gant Webblegum, but there were a lot of questions, and now they're, they're answered, definitely. Uh, hats off to his team, by the way. Marcus Berger was up there a lot today, putting mm-hmm. a lot of watts for uh, Sagan at the front today, and team support has often been a question mark for Sagan, and even in this classic season, it's been a bit of a question mark, but they definitely delivered on, you know, fired on all cylinders today, Bora, that is. So that's pretty much, uh, that's the classics, uh, at least the cobbled classics. What, 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 are you ta- what are you taking away from this Cabo Classic? What are you giving on a, on a you know five star scale? Yeah, I, I love I love the classics. These are my favorite races of the year. Really, this whole kind of three week run in Ghent. You know, you're hanging out in Ghent. You're going to uh, you know the newspapers are full of uh, cycling every day. You can really feel it uh, in the culture, in the air within Belgium, especially. I was out on the course today. It was just such a great ambiance. I mean, it was thick on the Carrefour. It was like. Optuets up there today. I mean, it was so crowded with so many people. And that's so great to see that these races are really just thriving. I mean, the Flanders Classics have done a great job promoting their races. You know, Perry Robes is kind of one-off, but it's it's institutional race. You know, one of the oldest races in the calendar, one of the most exciting. And, I mean, to me, I think this is, 
you know, if you're a cycling fan, this is about as good as it gets. And I know the Grand Tours are bigger. I know the Tour de France has more prestige because it's three weeks. But I think uh, for me, these guys that race and focus on these races and dedicate their entire season really for almost six, seven, eight, nine race days out of the whole year. That's how they measure their seasons. So that's kind of why I mean, it's so much at stake and it's just all in. It's just balls to the wall. You're not saving anything for tomorrow. That's why I love the classics. Yeah, I, I totally agree and felt the same way. I was at the Arnberg Trench when the when the pack hit it today, and that is a really great place to be. If you ever come over to Paris-Roubaix, hanging out, it's a party environment. It's sort of a tailgate environment, actually, which is it's pretty wild if you've never been to the classics and you see the tailgate environment that they have over there at Arnberg, or even at E3 Harlbecker, for that matter. If you're used to seeing that kind of environment at, you know, in, in the States at a, at a football game, and you see it at a bike race, then you know you're in you're in cycling country, and it's it's pretty awesome to see. And I think uh, the cobbled classics now in the rearview mirror uh, does not, however, mean that the classics are over. So next week we have the Ardennes Classics, Amstel Gold, Flesh Malone, and Liège. So you still have some great one-day races to come here, and Brabantse Peel. That's right. So there's there's still some good bike racing, one-day bike racing ahead. So don't uh, don't tune out just yet. I uh, hope you get to catch some of those races. But uh, that's it for us here from the Roubaix Velodrome. Hope you've enjoyed, and we'll see you next time.